Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you're at. The time is recording. This is episode 87 of the Restricted Zone podcast. Now, what a great crew today. Johnny, introduce yourself, man. Hello, world. Just Johnny tapping in. Yes, sir. Corday, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's up, boy? Young Core. Let's, let's get a good episode today, boys. Young Core, Young Core. Magic Mar, introduce yourself, man. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me today, Kyle. We about to have a good episode. A great episode, man. I'm excited. The, everyone here is excited. I'm sure the fans are excited. And we got a lot of basketball to be excited about. A lot of basketball to be excited about. But let's dive right into it. We're going to do a new segment. It's called Role Player of the Week, specifically for the basketball uh, we look at, we all know the starters, the superstars, they're really the main components of what drives a championship team in order for them to compete for a title. But every person needs help. Michael Jordan had help. LeBron, Kobe, you name it. All time greats had great role players that were able to come in, do their job, and of course excel. So we're going to do a little segment called Role Player of the Week. Each of these guys here are going to give their own role player of the week. And they're going to debate and argue and also talk about why that selected player were, was their role player of the week. So, Corday, I'm going to swing it with you first. Role player of the week in the NBA right now. Who's impressed you? Who's your pick? Uh, For me, you know, I want to, like you said, we all know about the superstars already. You know, I like to set some limelight on, on the guys who do some dirty work under the radar work. My pick is a guy who plays for the Denver Nuggets, who are sitting now at 27 and 13, which is best in the Western Conference. A uh, guy who's, who I'm a big fan of and a guy who's really been playing well this past week. I want to shout out Bones Highland for my role player of the week. Uh, Bones Highland in his last five games, he's averaging uh, 15 points, shooting 43% from the three-point line. Uh, you, you know, he, he, he adds a lot of, a lot of scoring. He takes the ball out of the hands of Jamal Murray and Jokic, which is sometimes a good thing. So you could take pressure off of those star players. Uh, he, he's good at playing off the ball, playing on the ball, good shooter. Uh, he's had a game, I believe it was last Thursday. He had, uh, 16 points, three assists, three rebounds, and his plus minus was plus 27. So when he's on the court, he's, he's being productive. He had another game with a plus-minus of 15, another plus-2, another plus-5. So when he's on the court, he's being really productive. His last couple of games, he had a 12 against the Lakers, 13 against the Cavs, 16 against the Clippers, and then he had 18 against Minnesota that past week. So he's been a really big part of what, they, what they've been doing. He's continuing to grow. Uh, I think he could really develop into one of the elite caliber six men in the league, so I won't wanted to shout out Bones Highland for the week. Whew. Bones Highland. The meme. That man, one of the best memes, I think, of 2023. Mar, do you think so? Is that your role player of the week, or do you have someone else in mind? Yes, sir. Nico? Yes, sir. No, I mean, I would, I would say Bones is that would have to be the player of the week. I didn't even know he was doing that in the last five games, to be honest. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Two for Bones. Just Johnny. We switching it up? We shaking it up? Or are we going with a unanimous decision? 
<laughs> I'm not gonna lie, guys. I had a um. I like Bones. I think he's a Philly kid, isn't he? Hometown. I think. I think so. I no, I, he, he's in the tri-state area. Yeah, I think he's in the tri-state. The tri-state area, area or not exactly uh, a local, but he's he's in the area, right? Right, right. He's in the <laughs> so area. Definitely. Great shout out. Great shout out. I got a um. There was a young player that caught my eye too this past week, guys. I got to go with Keegan Murray from the Sacramento I, Kings. Um. He's he actually just coming off a recently good game, uh, fifteen points, five for seven. And I think five of those, I think they were all threes, uh, three boards, three assists. He's actually been this year. He's been averaging about twelve points, shooting forty three percent, about four boards. Um, he's been contributing. He's been contributing. I remember we had a segment earlier, um, way way earlier, um, and we were talking about the young stars coming into the league and uh, Keegan Murray with his high draft, with his high draft pick, how he was going to end up playing. The rookie wall seemed like it's not bothering him. He's been coming along nicely. His minutes have been increasing since January, since like May, since the New Year started. Um, 28 minutes, 37 minutes against, uh, 28 minutes against Memphis. Um, uh, put up 10 points, 4 for 12, 3 boards. Uh, 37 minutes against Utah. Um, 16 points, shot 50% there. Um, 26 minutes against the Hawks. Uh, Lakers, he dropped 16, 6 for 8, and, and just coming off 26 minutes against the Magic, uh, knocking it down from 3. So he's, he's coming along, guys. I will say that. I, I'll give this kid credit. Um, I didn't expect him to be this, this dude. I was looking at him for more of like a slasher defender type, but he's showing he can shoot the ball. He's had a little bit more skill than I gave him credit for. So I gotta go with Keegan Murray. Uh, heck of a week so far. Right, I think he's one. He he's a nice fit for the Kings. Can he be a superstar fit alongside Demontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox? That has yet to be seen. But he he's just a nice fit. He's a guy that he's not super great, but he certainly is a bad. He's just a nice fit. Uh, so you know I don't disagree with you there. Don't disagree with you there. So now moving on to the next topic of today's basketball episode. Man, the big stars of the league are making some major impacts for their respective teams, man. I mean, look at Clay, Braun, Embiid, and Mitchell, the man that scored 71, uh, going off for their big nights. I just want to ask you guys this, uh, more, and I want to focus in particularly more Clay and Braun in particular, since their teams have been, eh, it kind of so and so, they kind of, you know, can Clay and Braun keep up their play? For the teams until you know their respective you know player their respective help you know comes back to the system to elevate them to a higher level or maybe we might see some real 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 tough times with these franchises. I want to swing it to Johnny first. Johnny, give me your thoughts about this. Well, let's figure it out, guys. Um, uh, starting off with Clay first. Um, I would have to say he'll be fine based off the support that he has. But at the same time, um, and, and on top of that, he's, he's familiar, he's familiar. Um, teammates are more than capable. Uh, 30 was coming up. I don't think he played against the Magic. 30 points off of Detroit, dropped a 50 piece on ATL, 31 in Portland. Looks like play to me. Looks like play to me, fellas. So I think he's fine. Um, I think he'll be able to sustain this. He's, 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 it just comes like like we said before. Golden State just got that culture of next man up or whoever is there to sustain. I mean, shoot, Steph held Clay down, vice versa. Draymond Draymond held them both down. It's been constant situations where the Warriors have dealt with injuries and constant times they they have been able to sustain them. 
So I think I, I have to say yes for Clay. I think he'll be fine in that case. LeBron does worry me a little bit, and not so much as him, believe it or not. Mm. I think personally he'll be fine. I'm not going right. to lie, the ageless one, coming off 37 against the Kings, 25 against Atlanta, 43-piece on Charlotte, 47 in ATL. That's just in one week. Um, Yeah, mm. the King is still the King, but it's, remember, what was our problem with the Lakers? The surrounding cast, lack of shooters, um, lack of supporting cast. Uh, I think that that even if even when he gets said key components to come back, like we said before with the Lakers, I think that it's it's just going to be downhill from them. I would like I, I I will say I do give Anthony Davis credit. Do give him more credit. He he played longer than I gave him credit for, and <laughs> he's, and he played very well. Extremely well. Shot six. Wait, shot, I think over sixty percent. Johnny, he's I hate you. He's Johnny. he's always going to be street clothes to me. That's his nickname. <laughs> I'm riding Charles Barkley. He has to prove that he can play this year a sustainable amount of games, especially after the stigma they was placing on our man Joel. I don't want to <laughs> hear it. Don't get me started. The point is, he got hurt again. But I'm not. That's neither here nor there. I'm gonna get off the. I I, I digress. The point is, right. I think the Lakers. <laughs> I think I think I think LeBron will have a tougher time sustaining it than Clay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I do want to add before I swing to you, Corday. I mean, in terms of the Warriors, I mean, I will say that I mean, look at Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole, he's been averaging at least twenty eight points a game, and he's shooting at least forty three percent from the field. I think eighty seven percent from the charity strike. And then what you know what Johnny has said about Clay Thompson also putting. Uh, on his job at the end, I think the words are actually holding up pretty well. This the Lakers, on the other hand, you got a lot to a lot to improve and work on. So Corday, uh, what's your thoughts about the Lakers, and do you think you know LeBron can lead them at least to the playoffs, or are we looking at a play in, or are we just looking at them not making the playoffs at all? Uh, I just want to piggyback off of, uh, what Johnny was saying a little bit. Uh, in terms of who's harder to, to maintain playing at this level, uh, we all know LeBron James is the king, arguably the greatest player of all time, but I will say it's going to be a little bit harder for him to sustain because Clay Thompson, he doesn't have to sustain that level of play because of the pieces around him. LeBron James has to play at that level for the Lakers to even have a chance at a play in, uh, and, Truth is, you don't want your thirty-year-old, your thirty-eight-year-old star going out there having to average well over thirty points and about ten assists a game. Regardless of what LeBron James is doing, is remarkable. You know the thirty-eight, the thirty-seven points, the twenty-five points, the forty-three, the forty-seven, the thirty-eight, all within the span of a week. And not only is he doing that, he's giving you ten assists, eight assists, nine assists to go along with an average of eight rebounds. So it, for his age, that's a lot of pressure to maintain playing at that level. Uh, I do think Anthony Davis coming back will take a lot of that pressure off of him, as there was talks of Anthony Davis potentially ramping up for a return uh, in the the mid of January, which will be a, not only a great help for the Lakers, but a great help for LeBron. But it, it'll be harder for LeBron to maintain because he has no choice to play at that level. As for Klay Thompson, Klay Thompson – he has a championship caliber team where there's players who will take pressure off of him while he's also being Klay Thompson. Uh, Stephen Curry is slated to come back. You have Jordan Poole. You have Draymond Green who won't score, but he'll, he'll do, you know, the dirty work, the defending the other team's best player, the playmaking, the rebound. 
They have Jonathan Kaminga, who's been coming along pretty well. They have uh, Andrew Wiggins, who's slated to come back from injury. Although this game log from Klay Thompson this last week is remarkable with the 30 points, the 54 points, the 31 points, the 29. It's kind of like at that time they kind of needed it because Steph went down. They were playing pretty poor. But now the Warriors have been playing better. Uh, the Warriors, you know, like I said, they're slated for Steph and Wiggs to come back. And they're now sitting at 20 and 20, which is, uh, I believe there's six now in the Western Conference. So the Warriors are starting to catch their stride at the right time with two of their main core players coming back off of uh, injury. All I right. think Clay dropped a 43-piece, too. I think, like, the first game Steph was down, that they played without Steph, the first and second game they played without Steph. I think it was against, I want to say the Hawks, gave them 43. No, nah, that, was, that was his game a couple of nights ago where he gave them a – no, that was Charlotte. That was Charlotte he gave 43. Atlanta okay. scored a – 25 he he scored 25 uh i believe okay yeah he's been oh. yeah clay's fine clay's clay's fine would you say clay's back clay's yeah he's he yeah absolutely yeah, he's fine absolutely so he, he'll be good so he so he has re reinserted himself uh in terms of the shooting guard list where would you put him at currently whoa 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 whoa, 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 whoa <laughs> i knew whoa, i was going to say so whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> not go that far not good at uh, I feel like with Clay Thompson, I feel like he just he is what he is. I'm not going to go out here and he's a top three or top five shooting guard no more. But it, he's just Clay Thompson, you know. You know, like with, be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. With him starting off slow, I think people fail to realize like this guy. He missed like almost three years of basketball. It's hard to get yeah, into a game you haven't played in so long, bro. Three years. He finally just caught his rhythm. Definitely. Yeah, and then it's like his style of play. It's like it. it you it, you need to get in a rhythm. He's like a he's like a rhythm shooter. So his style of play, I, I wasn't too concerned about if Clay Thompson lost his step or not. That's fair. That's fair. Mar, swing it to you. New topic. Listen, MB the Sixers. I know y'all have to say about us, but I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to ask, in all honesty, is MB, you look at the Sixers, yeah, we're fifth right now in the seed. We got James Harden, Tyrese Maxey's back. Joel Embiid's playing like an MVP candidate, but Luka's, eh, we'll talk about that. Do you think this is going to be another repeat year of MB just putting up monster, leading his team and just not getting to that out that second round? Are we looking at a repeat of this again this year? Is this our only chance to win the championship? Clearly that window has closed. It's not <laughs> even like it's not even like the last chance. It's more like why are y'all still trying? At this point? You know? Now see now now I won't lie. I, I don't know what yeah, you're optimistic about. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna lie. The Nets are playing well, but I wouldn't say you guys our championship. I don't know. I don't well, know. Man. Well, why not? The you see my, you see my guy Jacques. I told you, <laughs> we get rid of Steve Nash. We will be fine. If I was there coaching, we would have been fine. And my <laughs> name is Jacques Vaughn. Shout out to Jacques. He's holding it down. He's holding it down. 
and y'all was talking, oh yeah, Brooklyn, y'all can have Ben. Ben is gonna put up his corny nine, three, and six. It's gonna mean something to me at the end of the day. I don't care what y'all say about him because it still means something to me at the end of the day. So I'm fine with it. I got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm not about to cry <laughs> with Ben Simmons. He could put up nine, three, and six. I don't care. That's something to me. <laughs> okay. All right. You take it anything you can get at this point. I'm not disagreeing well, I'm with being you. Serious, because now listen, you gotta think about it though. Ben Simmons is like our second tallest. Well, KD's like seventy. So you got KD, Nick Claxton, and Ben. So he's basically our center. So mm. with y'all, mm. he was allowed to play at the top of the key. He didn't have to play center. You got Tobias. Even Jimmy Butler was down there. You had Al Horford at a point. You had Joel. But now he has to actually play big man. And then everybody, everybody's like. Oh, he doesn't score. He's getting only a little bit of assist. He's guarding mm. almost the tallest player on the team. Like what you and he's mm. guarding the best player on the team. Like what you want him, how much more do you want the man to do? It's mm. a whole different situation with us than it was with y'all. So if he's gonna put up his nine, three, and six, I don't really care because I know what he's doing on the other end. All right. Well, okay, Corday got something to chime in. Go ahead, Corday. Uh, uh, no, bro. I get what you're saying and and even though I'm a Sixers fan, I'm still a Ben Simmons guy. And he is going what? to give you that energy. He he is going to give you that energy on the defensive side of the court. But the reality is, bro, he he's an offensive liability, bro. Like late in the game, you want your best defender on the court to guard the other team's best player. But sadly, he can't do that because you also have to go into the offensive side of the ball where he's such a liability. They're, they're gonna the, the game, the game the other night when they played Chicago, he got subbed out the game. In the fourth, with about 11 minutes left, and he did not see the court again because they needed offense, and they could not get a single stop on defense. But they had to sacrifice his defense for offense. And he's he's an offensive liability. It's hard to play him. Late well, I mean, in the games. really, nobody was scoring in that game. No, KD had 44, and we lost. I so mean, regardless of that, it's because they couldn't get stops on the defensive end. And when you in the game when it's a shootout, you can't put your best defensive player on the court because he won't do anything offensively. I know, I understand that, but listen, but like I said, though, well, I didn't say this, but when if it's a close game down the stretch, we might sacrifice defense, but still, like our chances with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the offense without Ben Simmons, so you mean it's just like, okay, still might have Nick Claxton down there, and I've seen Kevin Durant step up on defense. But it's like we still got Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Why am I worried about Ben Simmons? I mean, I are you willing to bet that? Uh, are you willing to bet that ratio on a championship? Because it, now, because now we're talking ratios. If you can live with that, can y'all get away with that style of clutch, but we, clutch play? But we also have Is, other wing. Can players, y'all get away though. with that? We also no, we can't. But we also have other wing players. We still had T.J. Warren, so. I mean, uh, they put Royce O'Neal out there. I don't know why, but it worked. Shout out my man, Josh. But like I said, we, we still, still have Warren. We still got we still got Wannabe. We still got Wannabe. He's a he's a shooter. So I mean, if we don't have not a defense, we still got other options. And I get what you're saying, but in in the crunch of a game, especially come playoff time, when you have to trade bucket for bucket, yes, I do like that. I have Kyrie Irving 
and Kevin Durant out there that can trade bucket for bucket. But at some point, the winner of that game is going to be because they got a big defensive stop. And don't get me wrong, guys like Royce O'Neal and TJ Warren, they're solid, capable defenders. But I am not going to trust having late in a game one of them two guarding an opposing team's best player, which might be a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown, or a Giannis, or a Giannis. Where the thing is, you will preferably want Ben Simmons on one of those players, but Ben Simmons just won't be able to be on the court because he has to go back to the offensive side. So at some point, you're going to have to get a stop. I can honestly say I can bet that now. <laughs> so you're you're so willing let's, you're, let's, you you think pretend. that's a championship formula? Now listen, it almost worked against Milwaukee. My man was. I was about to say, years. let's pretend Milwaukee's in town. I was about to say that. Let's okay. pretend Milwaukee's like- in town and it's Game Six, right? And it's five. It is like like in that scenario. Are, can y'all get away? Because teams teams got a little bit better defense in the playoffs. I'm not Come saying on. the bucket for bucket thing isn't for sure, but can you, like, like can you really outscore every time? That's not yeah. like come on, no. Yeah, that's no. a ratio that he's gonna. Li- that I'm comfortable with living with it, like you said, KD and Kyrie. That's fine. You can. I, I respect that you can live with that. We'll just see. But it's more than them, though. Okay, who? Like, Wait. remember, remember what we did earlier? Role players of the week, right? We got, we got, we got Seth Curry. We got Seth Curry. Seth Curry. Another He's non-defender. I know. Another bro, non-defender. About, but he, I know, but he said, he said, can we outscore them? And I said, yeah. And I'm listening. Seth Curry can get you quick twenty. He will get you a quick and twenty. I'm, Curry, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think. I think if you have to play going bucket for bucket, they have two of the best guys you want playing that type of style. But at the same time, in the in the playoffs, in the playoffs, at some point, the team that makes a defensive play is the team that wins the game. And I don't trust the Nets to make that defensive play. Seven game series, you already know what the game play, know what the style is. It's just about execution on game plans on either side. And I mean, I understand what y'all are saying. It's going to come down to a big style. But, like I said, if we got the people who we have, don't they got to get a big stop, too? For sure. Okay, so let's say, let's say, let's throw a hypothetical in there. You're right. Let's throw a a hypothetical in there like Johnny did. Let's say it's a a playoff series and you're playing against Boston. Boston Hmm. will have nothing but defenders on the court that have the capability of stopping that bucket for bucket lineup. Where who who on the Nets are you going to stop the 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 Celtics off offensive stars? Wait, Mark. Before Simmons you say is. something, before you say something, Mark, I'm gonna say something to Corday first. Corday, I'm gonna be honest with you. Kyrie might be the only player in it. I just yeah, feel like I Kyrie. is he? I'll give you Kevin Durant, but I'll give you Kevin Durant. No, even but Kevin Durant seven feet tall. He lit. It's like he, he's not. It's not even a jump shot. He. It is a jump shot, but he's seven feet no, tall. No, but he's talking about a trade off, like a trade off, like like a, like a trade of bucket for a bucket. And That's I what I'm like, saying. I, KD, if I'm I don't in the know, point, they don't like, have KD seven feet tall. Jalen Brown, Jason Taylor, Jason Taylor is gonna get his buckets. Jalen Brown, not Jalen. Oh, yeah, man. but at the end of the day, my point is saying if you have to, if you're playing against Boston and it comes down to a a bucket off, yes, I do like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's chances better. But like I said, at some point, it's going to have to be that defensive stop. And I like Boston's chances of getting that defensive stop way more than I do Brooklyn's. 
because Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton will both be played off of the court. Seth Curry. Not really Nick Claxton. It depends, though. You you have to think, when you break down matchups, at some point, if Boston decides to go small, Nick Claxton might be played off the court. Yeah, but if they go small, I feel like Ben or Nick, they're not going to play together. One of them is going to play. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen before. Exactly. But my thing is, say, ben, say Ben's out on the court and Nick's on the court and they go small. Nine times out of ten, what another team, what a team would do, especially a team like Boston, they're just going to keep putting Nick Claxton in that pick or roll isolation where I'm telling you, Nick Claxton, he's been an amazing defender this year. Right now, I will have him on one of my all NBA defensive teams. But at the end of the day, when you come, when you're playing that pick and roll switch isolation, uh, Boston, a team like Boston is going to love their chances with Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum one on one with Nick Claxton. I was also, and I was also going to say the to not to play devil's advocate, but to the Seth to the Seth Curry comment, excellent extra supporting cast. I like Grant Williams. Grant Williams is what he might get a game of. <laughs> And I like him defensively. Yes, defensively is the way he really uh, makes a key impact. That's what yeah. it is. Like I was saying, just if it comes down to it, where you know a buck, a bucket off. Like I've been saying the whole time, you eventually the team that wins the game is going to be the team that gets the big defense, big defensive stop. And I know we keep alluding to Boston. But Boston has players all over the court where they can rely on for a defensive stop. Boston's a team of great defenders. Got you. Wait, so guys, right? So Mar, all right. Let's let's bring it back. Mar gave us uh gave some reasonable points, strong strong points, solid statements. Corday, I want to ask you in terms about the Sixers. Uh, are we looking at another year where it's just a no show? Uh, Joel's having a nice year. James Harden does his usual. Tyrese Maxey become maybe becomes an all-star. I think he is an all-star. Uh, does that mean no championship in the end after all? Or maybe we got a shot to make something happen? Uh, I think the Sixers have a chance to make something happen in terms of being a title contender. Uh, but it's going to go as far as Joel Embiid and James Harden allows them both to go. It depends what version of James Harden we're going to see in the playoffs where we know James Harden has a history of not being a great playoff performer. And also we have a coach who has a history of not being a great playoff coach. Uh, I think we have the roster to, to, to compete with the teams in the East. Uh, this is a team where I feel like, say we finish the year with the five seed, they're a team that can make some noise and upset a fourth, a third, a first seed. So I still think our title window is open. Uh, but like I said, it's going to come down to as far as James Harden and Joel Embiid less them. And another, another main factor is late in the season is going to be the health of Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid late in the season, especially around playoff time, he always seems to be injured. Even if like a lot of them sometimes aren't even like his fault. Some of them are just freak accidents. Like, mm-hmm. uh, last season with his face, you know, he got elbowed in his face, broke his face. That's mm-hmm. not his fault. Year before that, he uh, when he tore his meniscus, he just went up for a dunk and landed wrong and just tore tore his meniscus. And so it, it's just it's honestly just the health of Joel Embiid and how far uh, James Harden will allow them to go. Um, but the thing I want to touch on is Joel Embiid and his MVP case. Uh, mm. I feel like for a guy who's averaging 
35, 10, and five assists and not being even discussed in the top five of it for MVP, I feel like is, is terrible. Uh, don't get me wrong. We have some great guys who are MVP candidates and Luka and Giannis and Jokic and Tatum and KD. But I feel like for a guy whose team started off the year relatively slow with a negative record, for them to go on an eight-game winning streak led by him, for them to up themselves from a 12th seed to a 5th seed where they're only maybe a game back from the first seed, I feel like he deserves some MVP recognition. And like mm-hmm. I said, his numbers are better than his numbers last year. His his numbers are better than his numbers last year when he was the runner-up for MVP. And he's not even top five in the discussion where I feel like, I don't know if it's my Sixers bias, I feel like it's asserted that he's not even in the top five discussion for MVP. Okay, Mark. That's what everybody did. Right, what happened, Mark? Go ahead. That's what everybody did. Everybody was at the bottom of them, brought their team to the top that you named. Yeah, but I feel like why why give all of those players the recognition where Embiid is having better is having a better year than them uh, statistically, and he was runner up last year. He's not even in the discussion this year. I mean, maybe just scoring was better. He he's averaging almost thirty five points, where last year he averaged like thirty thirty one. That's my point. You said he's still having a better season statistically, and I said, yeah, maybe scoring was. But so what what not. what is something for for example besides better besides his record what makes Jason Tatum so much better of an MVP candidate than Joel Embiid? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to really stop it there. I wouldn't. I mean, he's probably the only one that didn't really take his team from the bottom to the top because they were like they were basically the same team with some new pieces. It's it's, it, it's all about winning, I feel like, and and Bede has been helping his team win. I mean, from, I would from the bottom. Like, I would feel like they were they're even to me. I, would, I feel like they're just, they're just people that score. That's, that's what I feel like they do for their teams. That's fair. That's fair. Johnny Corday gives his own perspective. Mar has some great solid points. Johnny, listen, man, I know you number one advocate for the Sixers. But I also know you're going to keep it real. Listen, Johnny, are we a championship for 2023? Are we going to have a 2023 Eagles Super Bowl in 2023 Sixers champion? Is that possibility strong? Uh, let's, oh, go no. <laughs> let's go birds. Let's go birds. Let's go birds. But all right, listen, all right. Here's what I feel like has to happen. I've mentioned this before um, in former segments. I will say very, very be- way better bench this year. I will say way better. Here are the chances that we need. And these, these are the things that are going for us. We have a way better bench this year. Surprisingly way better bench. Um, they, they're they averaging like 28, 28, I think almost 30 points a game. Uh, together off the bench out of like, and he, Doc is only giving these guys about 15, 16 minutes, but their three point percentage has, they, they've been, they've been, Georgie Niang, I eat, Trez, Trez, I want to see more minutes for Montrez Harold. Georgie Niang has been nothing short of just shooting fire. Shake has been coming along with his 10 points a game. Uh, D'Anthony Melton averaging almost two steals at the game, underrated defender, and we know what he can do offensively. 
And um, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's the only problem I have is probably Daniel House, and I want to see more minutes for um for Trez. But other than that, way better bench this year. Um, barring injury, so I'm just gonna basically agree with everything Corday said as far as like health later on down the down later on down the line. I completely agree with that. So other than that, barring injury, um, I would have to say that. I'm falling into the fourth seed range, maybe third. I'm have to fall into the fourth seed range with us, at least get home court advantage throughout the first round, hopefully, and like in that area. But and we'll have to go from there. Um, same issues with me still exist. I'm not completely satisfied with Tobias Harris yet. I still am not. Um, I need more from him, just a teensy weensy bit more. It's about four. Four and a half, almost five boards. I think between four and six boards a game. 17 points here and there. Shooting, shooting adequately, um, from the three point range. But his impact, I'm not feeling him still. But, and, uh, but at the end of the day, I think, cause that's, you t- you guys are talking about going into the playoffs. He's the one that I'm the most iffy about. He had like a subpar series. He was like up and down, and depending on which series he was in, you got a different Toby. The uh, last year, these past playoffs, he hasn't shown me enough. He's he sustained throughout Joel and Harden being hurt, but um, for us to actually make a splash, a respectable splash, surprisingly, it's not due to our. I, I think our bench is actually playing better. I think Tobias Harris and I'm 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 going to leave Doc alone for now. It's mainly Tobias Harris, and I just want to see a little bit more minutes. For Montrez Harrell. I feel like PJ Tucker will make an impact when the playoffs get there. Not worried about him too much. He strikes me as one of those players that turn up in playoff time. I have like a little weird list of players that seem to just weirdly show up during the playoffs, but during the season they just coast like your your Jimmy Butlers, Rajon Rondos, and players of that nature. I feel like PJ Tucker sort of kind of falls into that realm, mainly on the defensive end. Like it's he seemed like one of those guys just once we get to the playoffs, he just knows what time it is. It's Tobias Harris. I don't trust, but we as I, I would see how it goes. I'm a little iffy on him. All right, so we gotta pretty much wait and see and just see how the season plays out for us. Mar, I'm not gonna lie to you, Mar. We're, we're going to the championship, Mar. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie. Terrible, bro. Oh my god. I'm not gonna lie to you. Corday, I'm not gonna lie to you, Corday. I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like we're gonna Mar, hear me. Mar, (laughs) did you hear me, Carla? I hear you. I heard you. (laughs) (laughs) No, you, I, 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 did you hear me? What did you say, sir? Repeat it again. Y'all are terrible. (laughs) I'm sure I was not the best center in the league. So he's not gonna get you there. Huh? Who? Not gonna get we're you gonna there. save that. Can we? We gotta you're save not, that. We're gonna save you're that. Not, we're gonna save that. You know what? We're gonna save that. Thank you, Johnny. We're gonna save that. Let's move on to the next topic, and we're gonna move on to the next topic before we start our hot takes that will be newly introduced. Donovan Mitchell, Mister Seventy One, last week. Uh, man, he's playing so phenomenal. But this is kind of different for me from my perspective. Donovan Mitchell burst onto the scene as a rookie uh, back when it was a whole Ben Simmons, not a rookie, you know. 
and he's played well since his rookie year. His points have been up every single year by one or two. Uh, but for some reason, the Jazz felt like most people would make Donovan the franchise superstar. He's the guy. This is the guy we're going to build for decades, you know, upon decades. But the Jazz gave him away to the Cavs. And he, I don't know, it's like Donovan is playing out of his mind this season. Uh, I got to ask you guys, what's, what's the difference between Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz as compared to Donovan Mitchell and the Cavaliers? What, in your, from your perspective, what made that change for Donovan Mitchell? Why is he playing so well? I'm assuming it's a Corday. Corday. Uh, I'll just say because, uh, Simply, Cleveland just has a better team in place to win surrounding him. Uh, in Utah, he was literally the, the first, main focal point of the offense. He was the, the main, he was the main scorer. He was sometimes the main playmaker. Uh, Rudy Gobert often, especially playoff time, would be a liability where he would be play off the court. Uh, Cleveland just has, they just have, way better pieces around him. They have Darius Garland, a guy who mm. can take the ball, orchestrate your offense, set up everyone else while letting Donovan Mitchell get involved in the scoring game. They have two defending bigs in uh, Mobley and Jared Allen who are versatile, can defend the perimeter, can defend the paint. And those are two guys who often won't get played off the court because they have better offensive players around their defenders than Utah did. They have Paris Levert, a guy who can, who's often streaky, maybe sometimes inconsistent, but he's a guy who can get a bucket with the ball in his hand and without the ball in his hand. They have guys who are going to spread the floor and, uh, Kevin Love, Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro is turning into a pretty, uh, solid defender. I would like to see him shoot the three ball more efficiently, especially from the corner. Uh, they have, uh, veteran point guard help with, uh, Ricky Rubio, Raul Neto has actually been pretty solid for them. They just have a really well-rounded team, and everyone knows their role, and everyone plays that role pretty well. All right. Man, uh, Johnny, you think that's the case? You think that resonates? Maybe that gives you an insight to why Donovan Mitchell is playing like the man of the year? <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, for sure. Um, in my personal opinion, guys, he never left. Um, I don't know why people – other than the 71-point performance, that's about it. Other than that, he's pretty much still Donovan Mitchell to me. Um, where, where are we at here? Same amount of minutes as in Utah. Same amount – averaging a little bit more – about eighth in scoring this year. So he is – that is top ten. But he's always been there. He was 26 last year. He averaged 26 last year, 26 in 2020. He only played 53 games that year, by the way. Uh, 24 points in 2019, about 24 points, 2018. He's, he's been him. He's always been, he's been him. I think, um, even, even on the assist ratio, his assist has always been around four to five a game. He's always shot about 45%. He's almost at 50% this year, which is, yeah, this is pretty good. He's even rebounded just about the same. Um, I can't, him, and, and, and as far as personal, uh, as far as getting it done, he's always been that type of a player. Um, I, uh, I think the only difference is on this team, like you said before, everybody knows their role better. I think he's just on a better team and he can just be him more so. 
um, he'll he'll give you. He's 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 and he's and he's playing. Like I said, my favorite ability about him is his his availability. He doesn't miss games too much. Other than twenty twenty, he's missing maybe twelve thirteen games at the most. Other than that, he's playing and he's playing consistently. Uh, so at the end of the day, he is playing. I, I think maybe he's in a better spotlight. I'm not sure how the fan base or how the you know how the local market is as far as. But I would assume Cleveland just now started getting buzzed a couple of years ago because they started winning. But um, but he, uh, I could say like we've seen him more in Utah, yes, and he looks the same to me, guys. Um, absolutely. I just think he's in a better position, um, to where as though he can affect his team's record more. And my God, but he's still him. All right, Donovan Mitchell, Ja. What's your thoughts on the man Donovan Mitchell? I mean, he, he's playing like 71. He's averaging career highs across the board. What what was the main difference to you that you see in Donovan Mitchell as compared to all the other seasons in Utah? Well, uh, well for one, I feel like he finally has a point guard that's going to actually get him the ball at his spot. But unfortunately, you know, the Cavs only went when they have Brown. I just feel like this is going to be a regular season team. I really can't see them doing anything in the playoffs. I don't trust their bigs yet. I don't know if their bigs are really like that yet. That's fair. That's fair. So with that, we go straight on to the transition of hot takes, a new segment we're introducing to basketball, some of the hottest takes that all the crew members passionately engage and debate about. Mara, go ahead and take over. All right, thanks, Colin. And I appreciate you letting me uh, add this in here. But I've been hearing, like, when I talk or when I watch other shows I see people do a lot of hot takes so I wanted to look up some and I wanted to add my own and one I found was someone said that um no team would ever three-peat again and I just wanted to get your guys thoughts on that because there was teams that were recently close and they haven't done it so I just wanted to see what you guys thought on that is there a team currently right now that I could say they won their first championship I could see them going for a two-march I honestly I want to pinpoint to the Celtics just because of their core. To me, honestly, if we're factoring the young talent, what they have now, while they're playing right now, the Celtics to me would be my top choice of it. But then, I, yeah, Celtics would be my top choice. I'm not going to lie. I think the Celtics, if, if Jason Tan wins his first championship and they keep the roster – I think the Celtics really do. They got two star players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I really think they could be. Uh, I'm going with the Celtics. I'm going with the Celtics. That's what I'm rocking with. Uh, for me, for me, I'll say right now, um, I'm not saying it'll never happen again, but right now I don't look at a team and view them as like the next dynasty in terms of a three peak. Uh, it's actually been a while since we've seen a three-peat. The Warriors came pretty close, but they weren't able to complete it. 
Um, but it's not a knock on any of the teams in the league or anything like that. I just feel like right now the league is so balanced. Like there, this is the first time in a long time where there's more than two or three teams I can legit see winning the title. Uh, you have Boston, you have Milwaukee, you have the defending champs, the Warriors, uh, you have Phoenix, you have Philly. You have uh, Memphis. There, the, the league is just really balanced right now. Where I can honestly see it being a new champion almost every year. Um, if I had to give a team, um, man, it's so hard. Maybe Boston because their core is so young. Um, maybe, maybe Dallas if they could find a way to add a superstar with Luca or. I don't know. I think I'll go outside the box and maybe say Cleveland. If Cleveland is able to maintain Garland and, uh, and Donovan and maybe add that maybe a third star, I could maybe see them being the next dynasty in the future. But the league is just so balanced right now. It's hard to pick. It's, the, it's um, hard to pick. Ah, uh, you know, what I about, didn't... What about the upcoming team like the Magic or the Pistons? I was actually yeah. about to add that in because you got to look to the future yeah. on that. But go ahead, Corey. I was actually about to add that. Uh, I just feel like those teams are a couple years away because those those teams like the Magic and the Pistons and stuff, they won't land a superstar or trade for a superstar anytime soon. Those teams are going to have to draft their guys and develop them into superstars and start competing on a level where they could position themselves to trade for a superstar. Because honestly, the era of basketball we're living in, that's kind of the way to go to create your dynasty is by kind of building your own stars and then just making a trade for a big time star or hoping you can land a big time star. But it all starts with in house kind of growing like your own guys. Okay. All right, Johnny, I want to swing it to you. Could you ever see, or, and do you currently see a team? That's gonna repeat again. Ugh. It's tough. It's, it's tough to see. Um, <clears throat> if I had to, if I had to have a guess, honestly, a three-peat in this day and age, I have to agree a little bit with Corey. I don't see it happening. But it, like I said, if I was to entertain that thought. Because it is interesting. I would have to go. My first instinct would go with the, with the teams, obviously, who was the most experienced and came the closest. My second instinct would go with the like the Boston Celtics of the world, they, like the teams that had still have a young core but a big impact. Even the Memphis Grizzlies of the world, a little bit younger team but still the same impact. Impact. But in my third instinct would be to go look to the future and see like what up-and-coming teams are looking like solid cores that might, like you said, that might be able to be built from the inside, like an OKC Thunder who might be on a, is on the run. Obviously not saying now, but I feel like in the near future, like, if you was to ask me that five years from now, I probably would consider yes. I feel like the league is super balanced right now, even with trades. Even with trades, the Pacers and the Kings, and they're pretty much they pretty much evened out with between competitions, and nobody is really making consistent 
impacts as far as in the playoffs. You never know who's going to win after like the second round. So I would, I don't see a repeat right now, but if I, if I was to pick a team that has the potential for a repeat, I'd go with Boston on the East and Memphis possibly on the West. And I like Golden State. I really do like Golden State. That would be my most experienced pick if I were to do that. But I would say Memphis on the West, Boston on the East. And that's like for, that's like down the line because I don't see a repeat again for at least another couple of seasons. Might I add, because I literally just thought of this. So I feel like the three-peat almost happens every generation. I say every generation. Every, every decade. So, you know, you had MJ in the 90s. And then you had Shaq and Kobe. And then you had Bron coming close if he would have beat the Mavericks or the Spurs. And then you got um the Warriors who almost came close. So, I feel like there's something that's yeah. like repeated history. We got to get some generational talent, and they had they have been shipping them in. They've been shipping them in. If you want to listen, access again when Wimbayana comes in. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> no, but my whole thing is, see, I wanted, and I'm glad y'all brought it in. I really was, so. It's two parts to this question. You could talk about now, but we was talking about Johnny. What Johnny said five or seven years from now. Man, I'm so high on OKC. But then I'm looking at who gets that number one pick. Is it the Pistons? Is, like, whoever gets that number one pick is going to determine potentially who could be that potential dynasty. Because Victor is such a talent. But me personally, I think OKC, five to six years, they could be a dynasty team. They could have been what KD, Russ, and James Harden should have been. Multiple championships, possibly. Yo, I like the name drop of y'all saying OKC because OKC, they have the young players and the picks to put, put them in position to, uh, become like that, that dynasty in the future. And it also, like you were saying, I would like to see what, what happens with the first pick. Like, can the Thunder get the first pick and get Victor? But let's just say in a hypothetical, they don't get the first pick and they're continuing on this path of, you know, rebuilding and tanking for, you know, the best uh, prospects or whatever. The question that I will ask is eventually does Shay get tired of losing and would Shay want out? Because Shay is going to be a big part of that Thunder core in the future. And it's, it's rumors already of Shay showing frustrations of losing because he's playing at such a e- elite caliber level where if they're on this path for another Two, two, maybe two to three years. I don't see Shea Gillis Alexander wanting to continue to play in the prime of his career, losing losing basketball games. So that also becomes a question Ooh. too. Eventually, that's a great. I'm glad you pointed that out. Gotta be mm. ah. Okay, see, I still want to go OKC. I feel like because if they do happen to get the number one pick, Chet, Victor, and Shea Gillis Alexander with Josh Giddy at the three. And oh, are you kidding me? And yeah, Luke Dort is shooting the basketball, fellas. Let's Dort, entertain that oh, a little Dort? bit. Not too much though. He's shooting though. I ain't gonna lie. He's got a little better. And he's a beast def- man. That but then if he gets drafted by the Pistons, Kane, Sadiq Bay, Jaden Ivy. Whoa! Wait a minute. Hold on. The I don't think Sadiq Bay will be. 
I, I think the Pistons might trade Sadiq Bay. I hope not. That really, that really, I hope not. I, I really hope not. But if they were, yeah. I don't mind taking them off the hands. Uh, we can give you guys Tobias Harris from. No problem. <laughs> no problem. There you not, go, Maybe. Especially, especially after this debacle tonight, Sixers are destroying the Pistons. Well, wait, Mar, another hot take. What's the other hot take, Mar? Oh, right. This is my hot take. Um, Tialo, I hope I didn't butcher that. Tialo Vincaro will win the Orlando Magic championship. I said, I, 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 I will put mm. money on that. Paolo. I don't know when. Mm. Okay, so, let's yeah. look at the, so Bobo is playing, I don't know if you guys watch Bobo play this season. <sighs> Bobo is, man. And then you combine that with Ben Carroll. We got Jalen Suggs at you can put him between the one and two. Franz Wagner at the three. Wendell Carter actually. Oh, Wendell Carter. But then they got Mo Bamba. Someone's getting traded. So they gotta trade one. It's 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 clogged up at the center position. Yeah, they got too many pieces. They got when too they many. Figure it out. He's gonna win the uh, I feel like with the magic, they it, it, I know it kind of sounds weird for a rebuilding team, but they kind of have too much talent a little bit. Yes, that's what like, I was trying to say. Too much talent. They, they're they're a little too crowded right now. Um, because you have you have Cole Anthony, you have Markel Fultz, you have Jalen Suggs, all three young guards who have shown potential of being something. Where let's just say if the Victor sweepstakes don't work out for them, and they're may be able to get a Scoot Henderson. That's you adding another guard. Then you have uh, Ben Carroll, obviously, is going to be their franchise player. But you have Ben Carroll. You have France Wagner. You have Mo Wagner. You have Mo Bamba. You have Wendell Carter. You have Bob- Those are, like, all guys who all play the same position. So at some point throughout their rebuild, they're going to have to decide which players are staying on the roster and which ones are we using for trade assets. But, uh... I don't know. I don't really have an answer on if Paulo is going to win them a championship. Um, I love Paulo. I'm a huge Paulo fan. He was uh, my favorite player coming out of last draft. Um, I predicted him actually being the first pick when everyone was talking about Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren. But uh, I don't know. It's just so so early in his career to tell. Uh, and like I said, also, it just depends on what the Magic are going to do co- to construct their roster. So for me, I honestly can't give you that answer. If I had to give an early answer, I would just say no. But I could be completely wrong, and he could be the next freaking Michael Jordan or something. <laughs> okay, that's actually a pretty fair point, man. The yeah, wow, there's a lot of young talent in the league, man. Like a lot of young talent coming to the league. Then the draft class coming in too, ridiculous. Mar, you got anything else? I love these hot takes. No. But I can, like, the reason, I can tell you the reason why. Why? I got them uh, when the championship. Every time the Magic pick number one, they somehow, some way, end up in the finals. Oof, I just feel like shit. he's gonna be the one that's going, and I just feel like he's gonna be the one that's gonna win it this time. So for Ooh. you, is that more of the history repeats itself thing? Yeah, 
But he's not wrong, though, Corey. Let's I mean, he's not it. wrong. That's, yeah. a, that's a valid point, but let me say this, right. too. If you're going – I mean, I, it, you know, it's not hypothetical. I'm just going based off history. Based off history, those three number one picks have all wanted up becoming Lakers, too. <laughs> 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 like I said, I feel like he's gonna be the one that wins it. So if he wins it, he's not leaving. You feel me? Ah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, anyway, putting that, that side about funny, though, you, that, that was funny. <laughs> Put aside the fact that the Sixers would be winning. The, the, oh, excuse me, I said the Celtics. The Sixers. I'm glad you messed that up. <laughs> Anyway, with that being said, that concludes episode 87 of the Restrictors on Podcast. I want to give a big shout-out to my co-hosts, Corday, Mar, and Johnny. Appreciate you guys. Hopefully, the fans enjoyed this as much as they we enjoyed recording this. You can also follow us on Instagram at Restrictors on Pod. You can check us out individually on our Instagram. You can check us out, DM us, tell us what topics you think we should cover. We'll gladly get to them. You can follow us on any streaming platform. All you have to do is share it with your friends, supporters, whoever. Uh, get us out there. We appreciate the support. We're going to keep grinding. And thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in. Have a nice day, everybody.